Welcome in to the midweek edition of After the Press here on ClintonHero.com. Coming up in this podcast, we'll give you a prep scoreboard, a couple observations, and we'll also talk with Chad Dare of the Danville Commercial News on tonight's Illinois-Iowa game in the Big Ten. But before we get to any of that, let's get to the prep basketball scoreboard. From Tuesday night, starting off with boys basketball, Cascade defeated Command for the second time this season, 60 to 54. Cascade was ranked seventh in Class 2A in the Associated Preds poll. Command was tied for fifth in the poll. Muscatine over Clinton, 72 to 39. Prince of Peace defeated Bellevue Marquette. 61-35. Northeast down to Bellevue, 76-25. Eastern Valley over Midland, 44-38. On the Illinois side, Riverdale topped Erie, 53-43. Sherrod over Morrison, 55-43. Hall defeated Prophet Sound, 74-68. Pearl City, Pearl City over West Carroll, 49-38. And two more scores back on the Iowa side. Western Dubuque, 67-41. And West Delaware, hammered Mercocona, 79-37. Now with the prep grill the scoreboard and the wrestling scoreboard for the first time tonight, here's John Gremmels. Thank you. Uh, big game tonight in girls basketball. Nicole McDermott made a layup with six seconds left to give Class 2A number 10 Cascade a 41-40 win against uh, Comanche. Alexandra Nielsen scored... A game-high 18 points for the Indians tonight. 13 market Catholic girls got in the scoring column in a 69-10 blowout against Prince of Peace. The Mohawks are ranked 6th in Class 1A. Ahead by 3 after 3 quarters, Bellevue pulled away to beat Northeast 48-37. Easton Valley ranked 8th in Class 1A defeated Midland 58-48. Class 4A number 8 Western Dubuque topped Central DeWitt 67-41. Maquoka to beat West Delaware 50-43. And Calamus Wheatland defeated Cedar Valley Christian 73-54. In wrestling, Fulton sweeps a triangular at uh, Polo. They beat the Marcos 43-18 and Amboy 54-0. Adam Hodge had a pair of pins to lead the Steamers. West Carroll dropped duels against Morrison, 60-22, and Stillman Valley, 48-28. But uh, good news for them, eighth-ranked Andrew Van Campen, who was out of action last week, including uh, the uh, Looters Invitational at Clinton with an illness, uh, returned to the lineup. He had a uh, pin in the duel against Stillman Valley, and then he had scored a 9-1 major decision against seventh-ranked Augustus Linke of Morrison in that duel. And then the other one, Bellevue broke its school record by winning its uh, seventh duel of the season, uh, 42-33 uh, win against Starmont in a uh, triangular. They also lost to Northland, 48-24. And that's your prep scoreboard from Tuesday night. And one more thing, uh, we didn't mention this in the prep scoreboard, but Muscatine Swimming did beat Clinton, but that wasn't the main focus. Clinton Swimming honored his three seniors on Tuesday night, J- Zane Jensen, Garrett Stumball, and Tristan Hughes. Tristan Hughes swam with mononucleosis on Tuesday night, and he had a very valiant effort in the two races that he swam. But uh, those three uh, gentlemen right there have had a very good contribution in the four years that they've swam for the River Kings. Let's take a look at break down some of these scores a little bit. I want to start with Cascade Comanche, uh, two ranked teams in class 2A up in Cascade in a college style atmosphere gym. Cascade topping Comanche both times this season, although in the AP press poll, Comanche is fifth, Cascade seventh. You have a problem with that. Uh, to me, that's the voters not paying attention. Cascade lost recently, they lost Saturday night, but they beat Comanche at Comanche earlier this year. Both teams had a loss. It makes no sense that they dropped below them in the rankings. To me, that's, you know, it's tough being a being a voter. It takes a lot of time. You have to keep up on a lot of games. You know, if you're going to do it, 
do it well. And it's, it, you know, it's just one of my pet peeves of people who don't really pay attention, and then they do rankings, and the rankings don't make sense sometimes. Cascade's having a fantastic season outside of their loss to Dyersville Beckman on Saturday night. Jacob Brindle was doing a fantastic job uh, picking up where Al Marshall left, uh, being runners-up last season in Class 2-way. Muscatine, uh, Henry and Clinton, that's not a surprise. Well, Weiss Camp did score a game-high 34 points. A yeah, that's, that's nothing for him. That's a little bit over his average, but... But not the 47 he had on Friday. But uh, boy, they came out firing tonight. They were 11 of 22 on three pointers. Uh, Garrett Mueller was five of six for the game. Had three threes in the first quarter alone. Muscatine got ahead seven nothing, and then 16 to two after one quarter. Uh, the Clinton it looked like kind of got things rolling. They got back to back three pointers by Brennan Lemke and uh, Jaden Mixon. Cut it down to 22 10. And then all of a sudden, Muscatine reels off 13 straight points, and it was pretty much over after that. You know, it's uh, you know just another you know kind of like that game against Assumption. They just had such a a slow start. They had trouble with the pressure defense tonight, and and you know kind of like uh, Chris Powers said that night. Once you get you know you get behind that much early. And it's almost impossible to come back and win. And Clinton tried to do a boxing one on Wee's camp, and you can't stop him. I mean, he is the best basketball player in Iowa, uh, bar none this year. And he he won't be done at Muscatine after this year either. And he is a very high stock ahead of him as he uh, heads for Iowa here in a couple years. Iowa does play tonight against Illinois. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that with Chad Dare here on After the Press uh, here on SoundCloud clintonhero.com and on itunes we welcome in chad dare of the danville commercial news here on after the press here on clintonhero.com and on soundcloud chad welcome in once again uh let's talk about illinois and iowa which will be played later on tonight down in champaign we talked about last week how illinois was kind of a jekyll and hyde team but so is iowa is this a winnable game for illinois you know and a point b of it is this a must win for illinois I think it's as close as you can get to a must-win. Um, basically, um, on Tuesday, uh, Malcolm Hill, senior Malcolm Hill, said that it was, you know, that basically all the remaining home games for Illinois were must-win. And I, I think he's probably pretty, you know, correct on that. I mean, if they have any visions of playing, you know, in the NCAA tournament, they must win out when it when it comes to the home games. And try to get, you know, they need to get at least, you know, probably two or, you know, two road games just to, be considered. Iowa is a very young team, and and they can get easily rattled. Does Illinois have have the capability within itself to play? And yes, they're at home, but do they have the capability of playing aggressively? For the most part, they do. I mean, Illinois is a team that actually can play several different styles, and that's what you know. Kind of what one of the things that uh, during the Tuesday press conference, Coach Gross talked about was that. You know, he, he knew in the preseason that he was going to have, you know, one of his big statements has been strength in numbers. And what he means by that is he really has to use different combinations during different games based on the opponent. So um, they have the, the possibility of picking up, you know, and being more aggressively defensively. And actually, that's something that he really wants to see out of his team. There's, you know, there's he wants to see mainly consistency, though. That's the one thing is you've, Watch this Illinois team this year. It seems like one game they'll do really well defensively and have troubles offensively. And you watch the very next game, and it's completely the opposite. And, you know, this last game against Michigan, 
you know, all of a sudden the turnover bug, you know, creeped back in. I mean, after all, you know, after, you know, basically committing less than, you know, 10 turnovers a game for about four straight games, all of a sudden Illinois comes up with a game where they have 17 turnovers, and that led to a lot of fast break points for Michigan, which made their defense not look as good. But if you take away some of those fast break points, their defensive, you know, performance really wasn't that bad. Chad, uh, you're an Illinois native. You've been covering the Illini for a decade or so down in Danville. But you also uh, were a student at Iowa at one time. You conflicted at all about this uh, this game. And, and, and what kind of rivalry is there? I mean, even though these are two border states, there, just, there doesn't seem to be the rivalry that you might expect from border state schools. Growing up in the Quad Cities, I thought this was a huge rivalry. And I have to, you know, and I, you know, moving here, I really thought that it was a huge rivalry. And, I, you know, and there is still some of a bit of a rivalry, obviously. You uh, mentioned the name Bruce Pearl at any time in Champaign, and you better watch yourself because there's a good chance that you're going to, you know, get knocked on the floor. So, you know, that's one name you don't bring up. I mean, especially, you know, around the radio voice, Deion Thomas. We don't, you know. But I would say that if you're if now being in eastern Illinois for 12, 13 years, I have found that the bigger rivals are actually Purdue, which is only basically about, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes away from Champaign in Indiana. Those are the part, but probably the primary two rivals to Illinois, then would come Northwestern, and then would come probably Iowa. So, you know, it's it, it, not to say that it's not an intense rivalry game is just depending on the region you're in and if you're in that you know the Illawa region there it's a huge rivalry because obviously there's lots of bragging rights and I know growing up in Moline a lot of people in Moline were actually Iowa fans they weren't Illinois fans and that's you know that kind of carries over but you know when you deal with actual Illinois the, the biggest rivalry is definitely Purdue and Indiana. And, and the Purdue part probably works out well for you since you're about halfway in between both uh, Purdue and, and uh, Illinois. You know, we're about mid-season now of the, of the conference season in the Big Ten. How, how do you assess things, and, and what do you look for the rest of the way in the entire conference? Well, I've been – obviously, you, you kind of look at the conference, and, and, I, and one of the teams that, is, that I've actually been kind of pleased with has been Purdue. I think that, you know, they're in a real tough stretch right now you know, but going into Michigan State on Tuesday night and getting a win was was a huge deal. You know, I, Maryland, since I've seen them twice against Illinois, I think they are, you know, head and shoulders probably the best team in the conference right now. And that, I think they're followed closely by Wisconsin. And you put those three together, I think those are probably your top three teams right there, you know, are Maryland, Wisconsin, and Purdue. I think that's a pretty safe, you know, assumption that those are going to be your top three. Obviously, Northwestern has played exceptionally well. I mean, they're looking more and more every day like an NCAA tournament team, and I think that's a huge, huge statement for Chris Collins and for the Northwestern program. And I think it's a huge statement for the Big Ten to, to kind of get that, you know, bugaboo basically off their heads, you know, about not being ever to an NCAA tournament. And, you know, it kind of goes along with what's happened, you know, in the past year in, in the city of Chicago. So it kind of, you know, makes for an interesting storyline, you know, along with the, you know, the Cubs snapping the 108-year World Series drought. 